Welcome to Green Talk, a podcast by Green Farmers of Ontario. I'm Megan McKimmy. And I'm Rachel Telford. And we're on location at the March Classic. And we're joined today by Brianne Curtis, our coordinator of the March Classic here at Green Farmers of Ontario. And can you just give us a quick overview of what exactly the March Classic is? So the March Classic is Grain Farmers of Ontario's annual conference. So it's held every year in London, Ontario at the London Convention Centre. Um, so it's held the third Tuesday of March. So on today, March 19th. Uh, and it's an opportunity for grain farmers across Ontario to come down to London and listen to some world-class speakers. Um, we have an exhibit hall that we set up with um, over 65 exhibits where they can come in and see some agribusinesses and some other retailers that are potentially selling products to them, as well as just mingle and network with other farmers in the area. We had a great lineup of speakers for the conference and you know we use this as an opportunity to introduce our farmers to some bigger concepts. What was our lineup like today? Today our morning keynote and our opening uh, speaker was Rick Mercer. Um, he's the author of many different books but he's most prominently known as uh, the Rick Mercer Report. So he was here this morning and he um, started the crowd off by just uh, talking about um, Canada and being proud to be Canadian and just the impact that Canadians have across the world and how we should be so proud to be Canadian. And then after Rick Mercer, we had a Griffith Foods, which is an Ontario uh, lab that purchases grain or Ontario grains to make all sorts of different products. So they were here talking about why they source Ontario grains and why that could be so good for our farmers, because obviously we want to see some of the products stay in Ontario in new markets. So that was a super exciting way to end the morning off. Um, from there, we had uh, Jennifer Moss after lunch, and she was talking about the science of well-being and happiness. So she um, works for Plasticity Labs, a researching uh, company that researches into happiness and well-being. And so she was here talking today about some of the uh, tips and tricks um, farmers can use when they're starting to deal with some high-stress situations. And then to end the day, we had the Honorable Peter McKay, who was here talking about politics and his life after working in the Canadian government. So that was a super exciting way to end the day um, on a more serious note, but also on an uplifting way to look at the politics, especially with our federal, federal election coming up in October. And we have a few new things we tried it this year. Can you tell us a bit about uh, what, what's new and exciting about the March Classic? One new thing that we did today was a giveaway uh, prize pack that we did for attendees that were attending the March Classic. So each attendee was given a passport where they had to go to different exhibits and exhibitors and get uh, unique hole punches from the exhibitors. And then from there, they would be entered in a draw to win three different prizes. So the grand prize is a trip for two to the Commodity Classic in 2020. And I believe that one is happening in Texas. So that's super exciting. Uh, the second prize pack was donated from John Deere, one of our main sponsors today. And John Deere donated a branded tool chest filled with John Deere tools. So I know a lot of farmers, I saw them up checking out the tool chest. Drooling and, over the yeah, tools. <laughs> opening all the drawers. So hopefully they made sure to get their passports filled out. And then the third prize was a Grain Farmers of Ontario prize pack with a bunch of different swag items, uh, coats, hats, toques, things like that. So those were our three new giveaways this year. So we mixed things up a little bit where... Um, the exhibitors, or sorry, the attendees had to go see the exhibitors to get their unique hole punches to enter to win these fun prizes. And then another new addition we had this year, um, we, for anyone that has ever been to downtown London, you know that parking can be a wee bit tricky during the week. So we had uh, free parking and a complimentary bus shuttle running from the Western Fairgrounds to the London Convention Center. So this was a new venture this year to try and uh, overcome some of the logistical 
challenges we've had about getting people to the conference. And so far, I've heard the bus was a great time. I haven't heard any complaints about people that took the bus. So that was a really great addition. And I think it was appreciated that people were able to park for free and then get to the conference and didn't have to worry about parking in downtown. And parking was definitely an issue for this conference because we had so many people. We had so many people. So... Yeah, I think last night when we did the final tally, we had 880 people pre-registered. And then this morning we had about 50 walk-ins. So we were over 900 people, which is the first time that's ever happened at the March Classic. I think previously the record was about 800 people, and we definitely beat that this year. So it's super exciting that um, the March Classic is clearly starting to take off and grow momentum, and that we're able to um, keep up with that and also put on a great conference and see so many lovely farming faces out. And the day isn't over yet. We still have the March Classic banquet to come, and there's some great entertainment tonight. Um, Can you tell us about that part of the conference? Sure. So I'm super excited for tonight Uh, so the banquet is going to be starting at six o'clock tonight so um, I think that's in an hour from now and uh, we're going to be served a local meal what's going to be prepared from Ontario corn fed beef we're going to get some local chicken brought in some local vegetables so we're super excited to have a local meal tonight and then the really exciting part tonight we're going to have the pan show family show which is a family of multi-instrumentalists that are going to be putting on a highly creative and action-packed performance for us so they're going to start off the night uh, during dinner by roaming around the reception hall and taking musical requests I I heard I don't know how true this is but I heard that the pan show family has like a thousands of songs memorized that they can just play it off the top of their head so they're going to be doing that um, during dinner and then after the fact they're going to have their highly uh, exciting and action-packed performance starting at eight o'clock tonight so I'm really looking forward to that pretty exciting. Well, thanks, Brianne, for coming on and chatting a bit more about the March Classic. And up next, we'll talk with some of our exhibitors and sponsors that are here today. We are here at the March Classic with J.D. McFarlane from Corteva, um, and we have you here to talk a little bit more about your organization. So can you tell us what Corteva is? Yeah, well, thanks, Megan. Um, so Corteva is going to be the result of the Dow and DuPont merger, which is originally announced back in 2015 and we've been on a journey since then to which will culminate on June 6th where we'll um, spin out as a standalone egg company. So can you maybe break down for us how uh, Bravant Seeds and Pioneer and some of those other uh, I guess products or or subsidiaries companies I'm not sure what you would call them um, fit into the the new Corteva? Yeah absolutely so um, maybe to take a step back to, to talk about, um, I guess, what what makes up Corteva. And when you look back to the merger between Dow and DuPont, the two companies came together with um, various legacy companies and a, a wide depth of products. But um, we, af- upon merger, we're going to spin out into three different companies. The, the um, specialty products will be under DuPont. Uh, the plastics comp- company will spin out under Dow or the legacy Dow name. And then the agricultural businesses have come together to form Corteva, which is going to be a standalone ag company. So under that umbrella, as you um, referred to, um, we're going to have two different seed brands, um, at least in eastern Canada. Uh, the flagship brand being Pioneer, and then the, the Bravant brand, which is f- formerly the legacy Dow brand, will be distributed through retail channel. 
And then also under the Corteva name um, will be the Corteva chemical or crop protection products as well. So there's been a recent announcement about Enlist and a lot of our farmers um, have really grown to like that product. Can you tell us what's coming out with that? Yeah, there's definitely a lot of excitement with the, the recent um, Chinese approval around the E3 event, which is the second generation of the Enlist Venter trait in that um, E3 represents 2,4-D tolerance, um, glufosinate tolerance, and then also our own glyphosate tolerance event. Um, so that brings a whole new mode of action for um, soybean growers in Ontario. And, um, and not just bringing that event forth, but bringing that event forth and being able to breed that into the Corteva germplasm represents a really exciting opportunity for our soybean product por- portfolio as we go forward and both and it can be expected in both our pioneer and our bravant channels with with a full launch by 2020 and uh what's up for the future of corteva what are you looking uh, forward to in the next few years you know it's been put to us um that we have a once in a lifetime opportunity here to establish something completely new and brand new um and with that comes a whole new set of of values, um, a new brand statement, and um, something that's completely fresh and new. So Corteva, uh, the name actually comes from core, which is heart, and Teva, nature. And then you've seen all the branding. Blue represents the most essential element on earth, water. But um, where it really starts to hit home is when you get into our um, purpose statement and our values. And our purpose statement is to enrich the lives of those who produce and those who consume, which is little different than what we've heard in corporate ag in the past in that you, it, there's always the to enrich the lives of those who produce so to bring value to your customers but then the next line usually reads something along the lines of bring value to shareholders or bring value to a more profitable company but to bring value to enrich those the lives of those who consume is kind of like bringing the outside in and um, reaching out and we realize the responsibility we have as an ag corp to to present agriculture in a positive light to not just our stakeholders and our customers, but to the greater public as well. And when you talk about, I guess, the future and new products, what about the old standbys that farmers are used to using in terms of their favorite products or seed brands, um, varieties that they like? Are they going to still be able to access those? Absolutely. So that the question, once the merger was announced, so what's, w- was always put to me and, and coming from the legacy Pioneer brand was what's going to happen to Pioneer? Am I going to be able to pi- buy Pioneer from my retail? F- like, w- What about my local sales rep? Well, um, we stayed true to our promise throughout that the Pioneer brand, number one, was going to stay in place. And we always um, referenced w- what the number one and number two recognized brands in agriculture are. And the number one and two have always gone back and forth, being John Deere and then Pioneer right there with it. So we'd be foolish to, to do away with the, the long-standing history and presence that Pioneer has. So yes, the Pioneer brands remained intact, and so has the rep channel. And the, the value that the direct-to-farmer dealer network or sales agent network that we have brings to um, our customers. And then in terms of product and what we have to be um, excited about or optimistic about when you bring together the the breeding um, sorry the the breeding programs of both organizations together and make a larger breeding program it really bodes well to our future in terms of bringing new products to um, to the the marketplace and we're here at the March Classic right now and Corteva was uh, involved with Rick Mercer can you just tell us a bit more about that yeah that was a pretty exciting um, (laughs) sponsorship and 
and uh, the following that that he had and the lineup we had for for photographer for photos um, sure speaks to that but um, yeah being a key sponsor um, having a meet and greet with our some of our customers today it was a great experience and um, and having our booth here this has been the first cycle for having our new presence at trade shows and and it, it hopefully it comes off as being very fresh new and uh, there's been a lot of excitement and interest in terms of what we're doing and, and what the future looks like there's no question what has been I guess maybe the most common uh, discussion that you've had with farmers here today so what is Corteva <laughs> there you go. and um, and and I mean hopefully we've got to a point where we can all speak to it and uh, and speak to the the level of excitement we have in, in being a standalone ag company and focused on one thing and that's the farm customer and and bringing more value and better products to to our customers. Great. Well, thank you, JD, for taking a few moments to speak with us and to Corteva for helping us bring uh, Rick Mercer to the March Classic this year. Well, thanks for having us. We are joined today by Joachim Bauer and Jennifer Neat, uh, joining us from Griffith Foods. Can you just uh, tell us each a little bit about what you do there? My name is Jennifer Neat, and I am Senior Director of Marketing for Griffith Foods in Canada. So I work with our teams of mar- marketers and sensory scientists and chefs and um, insights specialists on um, helping with product development for our customers. We service food processors, retailers, and um, restaurant chains to develop delicious menu items. And um, so my teams work uh, with the product development team on putting those concepts together. Um, And just before we hear from you, Joachim, you mentioned, Jennifer, uh, sensory scientist. Can you tell us what that is? Yeah, sure. So um, it's a a great field. Um, We have a... um, a really outstanding expert in the field called Margaret Van de Gabel who runs our, our panels internally. So they're doing evaluation of food products, um, you know, taste and texture with essentially people as the instrument. So we've got internal expert panels that are focused in on, on things like specific flavors or specific textures, but we also run panels with our base of 350 employees that would be kind of like a consumer panel where they would be trying things and and we might be looking for preference for example of of one product versus another so it's it's part of a suite of services that we offer our our customers to help support in new product development and Jochen what's your role I am the director of uh, product and process innovation we are involved in the short to mid and long-term projects for Griffith Foods on the innovation side. So we uh, link in uh, with academia, we link in with our supply chain partners and uh, centers of excellence to bring innovation to our product portfolios and bring new opportunities to Griffith Foods. And can you tell us a bit more about uh, Green Farmers of Ontario's funding and with Griffith Foods? Yes, it, it really has been some... Uh, <coughs> fantastic support from the Grain Farmers of Ontario in our innovation efforts, in our uh, in the processes that we have introduced, as well as the products we have put into the market. Uh, so as mentioned this morning, uh, we really, with the funding that the Grain Farmers of Ontario uh, has, man- has uh, provided us with, we have managed to increase uh, our volume of Ontario wheat 
uh, wheat flour by some uh, 8,200 metric tons over the past seven years. So what variety of wheat is it that you're utilizing from Ontario? Uh, primarily, we, uh, we pull from the Ontario wheat pool, uh, the winters. Uh, in particular, uh, I would say the split would be probably about 65% uh, soft, and uh, the remainder is the hard red winter. And you mentioned during the presentation this morning that one of the challenges is the supply of wheat and how farmers don't always necessarily grow um, either the same amount or the same type of wheat and how you've had to sort of plan contingencies for that. Yes, correct. Um, we <clears throat> we require a certain quality within the wheat supply with respect to the strength of the gluten that w- is in with, within that flour supply. Uh, in our pa- batters category, uh, it is very um, important that we try to maintain as weak a protein uh, protein structure within that supply because the strength in the pool actually has caused us some significant concerns with our uh, with our processors where the gluten precipitates out of the batter systems, clogs up the equipment. The, the lines have to shut down, and then cleaning can take anywhere from half an hour to an hour before they can start up again. So with respect to that, then, the strength in the pool, we understand why that's happening, and it's all due to agronomy, uh, disease tolerance in the, in the soft red winter varietals versus the soft whites, which we really pulled from in the past. Um, as well as the hardwood winter acreage, we know because of agronomy again that over the years has been up and down uh, and um, we heavily rely on hardwood winters to keep our uh, continuous no-time dough processes going. And uh, the, all, some of all the different ingredients we have, where would we find them and where do they go across the province in Canada. You rambled off a big list this morning. Yeah, <laughs> yeah. yeah so it's, it's uh, we do, much of what we do is customized. And, you know, essentially when we're describing it to people, we, we like to say that um, what we're doing is adding flavor and texture and functionality to food. So we're doing um, customized food ingredients that would go through processors or or directly into retail and food service so really you can find us at at um, many different places uh, across the the country um, in in most of the major uh, restaurant chain accounts and um, in retailers as well um, so it's it's kind of an interesting company in that it's it, we're a product development partner we kind of operate operate b2b behind the scenes uh, but we're, what we like to try to um, speak to our customers about is that we can be their their secret weapon to help differentiate their food products on the market and so people may not realize that when they're eating uh say like a product that has a bread coating that they're eating local right and that's part of a new campaign that you're trying to launch with some farmers here is an eat local um promotion yeah absolutely so our our purpose at griffith is we blend care and creativity to nourish the world and um part a big part of that is our our triple bottom line focus for 
for sustainability on people, planet, and performance. So the people part of that is, is what we're focusing on today with this campaign and, and is trying to help our customers connect with the food and, and, and their consumers to connect with the food um, to sort of explain that, you know, behind our, our ingredients are our farmers with Ontario farmers and Canadian farmers with with great stories so we're putting together something with something today with the help of of all of the attendees here and the stakeholders to help us better tell that story and and um, help people connect well thank you Jennifer and Joachim for uh, joining us today from the March Classic and just talking a little bit more about Griffith's Foods it was uh, really interesting thank you guys thank you thanks for having us Joining us here now on location at the March Classic is Jack Legg from SGS, and he's the branch manager and agronomist at the Guelph location for SGS. So, Jack, SGS, um, for the last couple of years, you've really been a big supporter of our March Classic and, and played a big role here. So why don't we first touch on that and talk a bit about the opening night reception that we had on Monday evening? Sure, be glad to, Rachel. Uh, we've been attending the conference as exhibitors, uh, I believe for nine years now, if, if I'm not mistaken, next year is the 10th anniversary of the March Classic. And for four years, we've been uh, the primary sponsor of the welcome reception the night before of the March Classic. We started doing so back in 2016 when we were entering a partnership with the Grain Farmers of Ontario and SGS in developing the Grains Analytical Testing Laboratory and it opened a few months afterwards in the summer of 2016. So although the laboratory has been in operation for three years, we've been sponsoring the um, welcome reception the night before the March Classic for four years now, and we're, we're quite happy to do so. Now we talk about the Grains Lab. A lot of our farmer members do know about that lab and the fact that we use it for our wheat testing, our quality scoops we do every summer. Um, but what else can farmers um, take advantage of when it comes to SGS? So at our Guelph location, we're very much a a nutrient analytical laboratory. We test soil for fertilizer recommendations. We can test feed and forages for livestock ration uh, balancing. We can also test greenhouse water and growing media. So predominantly what we're involved in is testing for nutrients so that we can uh, optimize production of crops as well as livestock. So I think a lot of farmers are familiar with the fact that SGS is uh, across Canada and even global, but across Canada, what other services um, do you offer? Yes, we have many locations across Canada, so we're heavily involved in trade services. Uh, the main focus of that part of the business is grain grading, but also inspection of vessels and rail cars and inland storages as well as on-farm storage. Uh, fumigation also falls under their capabilities. The latest addition to our scope of services is seed testing. We have SGS BioVision with three locations that are fully accredited to do seed testing. Germination, vigor, purity, all the things that go hand in hand with with seed analysis, as well as some uh, disease testing of phenomyces and club root. Beyond agriculture, we also have uh, environmental laboratories. So we can utilize them for things such as uh, heavy metals or pesticide residues. We have a microbiological laboratory in the Toronto area, as well as a food laboratory in Burnaby, BC. So across Canada, with all of our different uh, business units in different lines of businesses, we can offer many things along the supply chain in in such a way that we are providing a one-stop shop for agricultural testing. And when we talk about um, 
I guess, the future of where analytical testing is going. What do you see on the horizon? As far as analytical testing goes, uh, we use tried and true methods. So methodology that's been proven that has uh, interpretation of results so that management decisions can be made. But in the future, we're seeing more technological things uh, coming that can help assist with crop production, for example. We do have a new uh, revolutionary technology coming that we hope to offer this fall. I don't want to get too far in front of that, but we are excited to be able to test more things in the soil uh, from a nutritional standpoint with a quicker turnaround and uh, at the same cost or even cheaper, we're hoping. That's great. Thanks for uh, coming to the March Classic, Jack. Good. Thank you, Rachel. We're glad to be here. So we are on location at the March Classic, and we're joined by Jan Westcott of Spirits Canada today. So Jan, uh, could you just start and tell us a little bit about yourself and your involvement with Spirits Canada? So I've uh, worked in the spirits business for about 20 years. I'm the president and chief executive officer of the uh, association. It's a national trade association that represents uh, both producers and marketers and sellers of spirits, high premium uh, quality spirits. We are a national industry. Uh, we produce... Uh, across the country. Ontario, of course, is our largest uh, market, um, and it's our it's the home of the business in Canada, basically. And can you talk a bit about, I guess, your relationship with farmers? Um, so we are an industry that is attached at the hip to the farm community. Uh, farmers grow grain. You cannot produce our products without grain. And so if you ever meet uh, um, distillers or master blenders, all they talk about is the grain, the grain, the grain, the grain. And the truth of the matter is if you don't have good grain, really good grain, you're never going to make great whiskey or other spirits. So we are dependent on the farm community for our business. Um, It's an important relationship. Uh, It's a relationship based on trust to produce the kinds of materials and the quality that we need. And we've been extremely fortunate in Canada, and particularly in Ontario, that we have this very long history of the farm community being able to produce the materials that we need in order to make our business a success. And, you know, how successful has our business been? Well, up until a few years ago, we were the largest selling whiskey in the United States for well over 100 years. So that comes back to the quality of the input products that we have, which is the farm. So, um, you know, as I say to all of, uh, all of us and all of our guys, we better like each other because we're locked together. <laughs> and one of the things, I guess, that has come up recently, and I guess it comes to the success of the industry, is the government and the taxation system and the increase it's expected. And you've got a new campaign going, not on my tab. Can you tell us about that? When a consumer goes into a liquor store in Canada and buys a bottle of spirits, whether it's a bottle of vodka, a bottle of whiskey, uh, a bottle of rum, 80%, of what they pay already goes to government. So a couple of years ago, the federal government instituted a new policy where each year the excise tax, which which is the first tax everybody pays, it's a production tax, goes up by inflation. And it never goes back to Parliament. It's never takes into consideration what the economic climate is, how businesses are doing, whether we're in a recession or not. It just keeps going up and up and up. And it's a, it's a, it's a measure that's going to hurt everybody in the beverage alcohol industry. So it's going to hurt the wine industry. It's going to hurt the beer industry. It's going to hurt the spirits industry. But because the margins in the spirits business, because the taxes are so much higher, our margins are about 20%, our gross margins. 
we just have a lot less ability to absorb those increases every year. And, you know, so it went up 2% on in March of 2017. It went up a further 1.5% in 2018. It went up, it's going to go up on April 1st this year, 2.2%. That's a lot of increases in a very short period of time. The companies are not able to pass those cost increases along to their consumers. So they wind up eating that and their margins decrease. So we already have very low margins and they're going down. And so it, it becomes very difficult to attract investment into the business. And if you're in a business and you're not continually investing to keep your business uh, competitive and improve it, improve our environmental footprint, uh, innovate new products, you're not going to survive. And where can um, people go if they want more information on that? So uh, uh, they can go to our uh, website, spiritscanada.ca. We have a page uh, on Not On My Tab. We ask people to weigh in, to, to send an email uh, or something to their uh, local MP. It's very simple. You just put in your postal code. It tells you who your MP is. You can send a message saying, this seems unfair. This doesn't seem to be the right kind of policy for Canada. Uh, we, should, we should look at this. Um, so we'd love people to get involved. Uh, we've had a tremendous uh, response from our farm uh, partners uh, uh, across Ontario and in other parts of Canada. And that's very encouraging, right? People are paying attention, uh, but we've got to keep pressing uh, the government to uh, deal with this. And Spirits Canada has been a, a great partner to Grain Farmers of Ontario in lots of areas, including our receptions with the MPs and the MPPs and all our conferences. Um, and you're here today at the March Classic. So can you tell us a bit about your booth and, and how the show's been going here for you? So this is our second year. Uh, we had a great time last year. I've, I've been coming to the March Classic for seven or eight years. Uh, but last year we decided to have a booth, um, mostly to meet people, talk about the business, and, and really talk about the relationship that we have with the farm community. You know, we have said to the farm community, tell us about the kinds of things that are important to you, where it's credible for us to stand up and say, yeah, that's important, the government should be doing that, we're happy to do that. So there's been different kinds of issues that uh, have come up in the past where um, uh, uh, GFO and others in the farm community have said, you know, can you help us with this? Absolutely, if it makes sense for us to talk. So th anything that makes farmers more competitive, lowers costs, um, we can get behind that because that actually benefits our business longer term. So it's, it's, a, it's an opportunity to uh, continue to build those relationships, to get to know the kinds of issues that the farm, uh, farmers, particularly grain farmers, are facing, and to look for opportunities to sort of partner to, to fight those battles together. Well, thank you, Jan, for uh, being on our podcast today and uh, taking the time to come out to the March Classic and talk with our farmer members. Uh, thank you. It's, it's always a great event. It's hugely well organized and the speakers have been fantastic today. Just uh, amazing. So thank you very much for the opportunity. So we are on location at the March Classic and we are joined today by Marcus Hurl, our chair at Green Farmers of Ontario. And uh, can you just tell us a bit about what we are doing here at the March Classic? Uh, good afternoon. Uh, certainly I can uh, give you a little bit of feedback of about the March Classic. Uh, now that we're at the end of the day, um, we certainly saw that a lot of the uh, the guest speakers that uh, that came in and or the speaker lineup, I would have to say, was really top notch. And uh, there have to uh, by talking with some of the uh, members and um, people that attended the March Classic here, said that it was really positive and uh, a day well spent. 
And on top of it, we did draw a uh, significant more people into the March Classic this year. Uh, probably numbers up in uh, where that we have not seen yet in the March Classic uh, event in general. So certainly something positive and uh, we certainly want to keep that momentum going. Now, if we talk about some of the speakers that we had today, um, what was your impression of uh, Peter McKay? Peter McKay, I have to say, still uh, has that prestige uh, feel that he comes across, especially through his dialogue uh, as a politician, and uh, really convincing the, the general crowd and saying the, what, what the real issues are, uh, because we, uh, we need to make sure that we understand the environment that we live in uh, on the, um, let's say, future aspects, and also what can be done to change our environment that we uh, have to look forward for the next generation's sake uh, saying uh, trade uh, and i think the political environment uh, is also a big driver of how we're living and structuring our future lives and um, the provincial and federal government came out with an announcement yesterday about uh, the salvage benefit can you explain to us uh, about what that was about yeah, i certainly can uh, so uh, last fall, uh, with that whole dawn uh, in corn, uh, we uh, needed to make sure that uh, crop insurance comes up with a, a different plan around salvage benefits. So through uh, the uh, winter months, there has been s significant uh, engagement with AgriCorp and also with the federal government because uh, you have to remember crop insurance is a shared, gov a shared government program with federal, provincial, and uh, uh, now with the uh, new scaled uh, salvage benefit, it's going to be a positive for the farmers that are going to have that issue in the future. Uh, we certainly want to be prepared in case that it pops up again. We uh, do not know when that will be, but it's always better to be proactive than reactive. And um, so uh, what that's going to do, first of all, I think from the bottom scale from the th three parts per million you will be get a, get some coverage up to the um, eight and plus there will be a higher level so uh, there's like a three three tier system uh, where you if you do qualify for them there will be a compensation from the from that uh, new policy coming out and well, on the topic of policy, tomorrow's Delegate Day, and that's um, an opportunity that we take advantage of of having most of our delegates here for March Classic to bring them together for a meeting on the day after. And, um, you know, there's the resolutions going to be brought forward, and we're going to be having some other important conversations. Can you give us an overview of what tomorrow's going to be like? Yeah, so uh, it, it will be actually our uh, semi-annual uh, delegates meeting. So... Uh, uh, we uh, we do have most of the delegates here in town and uh, they uh, they're looking forward every year to attend uh, because first of all it is an important part of our uh, structure of the organization to first of all have our delegates engaged in the dialogue uh, to create some policies around our organization and uh, by having the chance to hear from back from the districts uh, through the, the resolution process that gives us uh, a bit of direction towards the organization and the board. Of course, we should take that in consideration also. And uh, uh, 
having also let's say some hot topics being discussed uh, during that uh, that day uh, which would be uh, part uh, mental health and uh, I think we also have to look at the election that's coming up uh, on the federal level that we want to get ready for it and uh, we want to get uh, the our delegates engaged in that process uh, because as individuals alone we're just one vote but as we are, as we are members and a large organization we do have 28,000 members out in the countryside that we represent and we need you all to be a part of this. Great well thank you uh, Marcus for joining us today with your chair update from the March Classic. Thanks for listening to our Green Talk podcast. We hope you enjoyed all of the conversations that we had on location at the March Classic. A special thank you to all of our guests and also an extra special thank you to all of the sponsors and exhibitors who make this event possible for our farmer members. And if you've liked what you've heard today on the podcast, please rate, review, and subscribe on Apple iTunes and Google Play.